Welcome to Leave Your Mark, where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page at Scott G. Langston. My goal is to create a community of people who take every opportunity to live high-performing lives. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice. It brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page. Reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems. Follow them at ReconditioningHQ on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or become a member of their Facebook group, Reconditioning HQ Revolution, and join the Reconditioning Revolution. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston and today I have the privilege of speaking with Vernon Griffith. Vernon is currently the High Performance Director and Co-Owner of Virginia High Performance. He oversees high performance programming and the multifaceted holistic approach of the Continuum Continuum Mission Program for Active Duty and Military Veterans. Being an advocate for high performance training for youth athletics in Hampton Roads, Vernon has worked with hundreds of athletes from middle school to professional sports, including extreme sports, assisting over 50 athletes and receiving athletic scholarships for the Big Ten, ACC, SEC, and Big 12, among others. While serving in the United States Air Force at Eglin Air Force Base, Vernon started his education at the University of West Florida and then continued his education at Old Dominion University. The reason I've asked Vernon on Leave Your Mark is because of what I've seen him sharing on the internet around his craft. He is a true craftsman, but more than that, he is willing to contribute to the greater growth of all those who wish to learn. Welcome, Vernon. Hey, thanks for having me on, Scott. My, my pleasure. Um, you, you served in the Air Force. What was your role in the Air Force? I did uh, radio and satellite communications. Hmm, cool. And how, did you, what, what attracted to you that, to that in, in your role there? I mean, I was kind of out of high school, uh, was kind of lost with where I was going to be at. didn't really have many uh, positive role models or people in my life to kind of guide me towards different directions. So it was kind of like when I was a, a senior in high school, it was, you know, am I going to college to play sports? Am I going to college for school? And uh, kind of didn't have much help or guidance um, from either family or uh, the school I was at. So I ended up didn't really have a plan. Mm. So I sort of found the military. I come from a military family. So it was kind of something that I was not, I don't want to say used to, but I, I was familiar with. Mm. So it was a good path, but um, I'm very thankful for that time. I learned a lot about leadership and uh, working with others. And it kind of set me and my family up for success, a positive future. So I'm, I'm very thankful for it. What, what did you learn about yourself in the military specifically? It was kind of figured out who I was. Uh, I think it's a, a big disservice we have, especially with adolescents, is we expect them at the age of 16, 17 to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their life when they're not even allowed to go to the bathroom without raising their hands. Um, <laughs> so it's it, it kind of gave me it kind of grounded me, I guess I got to see some different things in life and see some good things, see some bad things and kind of gave me a, a better picture of what the world is. And, um, 
helped me learn people outside of my fishbowl, you know, in high school, all you know is people in your neighborhood and all you know is people in your school. And then the second you get into something, a bigger picture, you know, I, I knew people from all over the world that came from all different lifestyles, all different parenting, all different values, religions, beliefs, and you're forced to work next to them where in school you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to be friendly with someone if you don't want to, where there it's, it's more, it's something more than you. It's something greater than you. So it's, you make things work and uh, you get, you get to know people that you wouldn't normally get to know mm. and it kind of forces you into it. So I, I, that that's kind of the biggest thing I took from it was learning how to work with people that maybe I didn't agree with. Maybe I didn't agree with what they believed in. Maybe I didn't agree with their values or their family way of doing things, but you put that all aside to get the job done. Mm. That's really interesting. I want to follow that thread in a second, but um, you, you mentioned that your family, your family were in the, some of your family were in the military. Um, what, what was your impression of that before? And what did you learn that you didn't understand about it when you actually got in the military yourself? So you're, um, I, I, so I didn't have the greatest relationship with, uh, with my father who is in the Navy. Um, he was here and gone and, you know, I live with my mom. Um, my grandfather was also in the Navy, but that was kind of before it was more of, I don't know when I was young. Um, I got married very young when I was 18 and then I joined the military and, uh, I knew that the military would be a, uh, I don't want to say the easy way out, but it was, it was something where I had nothing. I had friends going to college and I didn't have any plan and I didn't want to stay with my family. You know, a bunch of things were going wrong at home and I needed, I needed a way out and it was kind of my way out and a way for me to provide for my family. I was, you know, I was a janitor in a church and I was working a food line. And so it was, it was a way for me to, to get out of where I was and to start my path, which has led me to where I'm at now. Very cool. Well, going back to that point about learning about other people, I mean, um, what have you discovered about humanity in that process of sort of exploring different, you know, people from different places, cultures, spaces, et cetera, backgrounds? What, what do you think is a common thread that we sort of don't miss, don't understand about one another? I think, I, I think, I guess I would say that maybe we're victims to our own experiences. Mm. Um, maybe that's not the right way to put it, but um, our thoughts in the bed of some conscious that we pull from is based off of our experiences. Our gut experience is based off of our gut instinct is based off of our experiences, which sometimes isn't the best thing. Mm. Um, if I have a bad experience with someone that, you know, comes from a specific way of life or maybe looks a certain way that I'm going to have that, you know, premeditated thoughts when I see someone that either acts that way or looks that way or wears the same shirt. And it kind of helped me pull all that stuff down mm. because you learn and you meet so many new people that I was my biggest problem. And I think this is with some people that they automatically put up judgments, which is completely natural as a human being. Um, the second they see someone, they're like, Oh, I know someone that's just like that because that's how as humans, we relate to people and we relate to things. It's mm -hmm. by comparison. It's when I'm describing someone, 
I describe someone to someone compared to someone else. Like she has hair just like this, you know, she's, she's nice. Well, what is nice? Cause my nice may be different than yours. So I'm comparing this, I'm comparing to someone else. So it just helped me get outside of the bubble that I lived in. And it, it, it opened my, my eyes to see, see past. So that one of my favorite movies and as a parent, I, I tell this to every parent I come in contact with that their kids should watch is it's a movie called wonder. And it's about a kid with uh, some facial deformities and stuff he's been through. And if you have kids, when it comes to bullying, it's a must watch. But to me, he has a quote in there and it says, maybe we can't change what we look like, or we can't change what we look like, but maybe we can change how we see. Mm. And to me, that was very profound because that's, I think one of the biggest mistakes we have is we immediately judge, but we judge based off of past experiences. But as a human being, you should understand that every instant, every altercation, every, you know, situation can be different. There's a, one of my, something that I also, that I, I mean, everything is aha moments with me, I think, the things that I experience and I come across. And I read something one time and it was two people sitting on the top of a building and one is a statistician and one is a philosopher. And this, it's a T intersection that the cars are coming and the statistician knows that at a hundred, there's a hundred cars that reach the intersection, 50 of them are going left and 50 of them are going right. So he can predict based off of that knowledge, which is pretty reasonable that this car comes in the intersection. He can say, okay, you're going left and you're going to right. Or the philosopher knows that every individual car is powered by an individual with individual needs, individual thoughts, individual experiences, and a a task at the moment. So every single car can go to the right and every single car can go to the left. And I think that's, uh, when it comes to individuals, that's kind of where my feelings are. Every individual is a new experience. That's awesome. I love that. So you're, you're in the military, um, serving with and doing this stuff with the radio and how do you discover education and your decision to get into sort of that human performance world? What attracted you to that? Um, I went, I did a deployment one time. I mean, I was in the air force, so obviously we aren't the greatest in shape and <laughs> fitness, <laughs> fitness focus. So, uh, you know, like I had a kid and I got married, so I was putting on that freshman 40 as they would say, <laughs> And uh, I went on a deployment and my biggest goal, that one deployment was I'm going to lose all this weight. I didn't know anything about exercising. I didn't know anything about working out. Um, I just knew that if you didn't eat and you exercised a lot, you would lose weight. <laughs> so I, uh, every, day, I, every day I put in hours on a treadmill working out. And, uh, I ate like egg whites and bananas and pre-workout and caffeine to stay up. And it was just terrible. Um, I lost, I think like 30 something pounds in four months and I got back and I felt absolutely terrible. Like my body felt like I was 60 years old. My joints hurt. I was weak. Um, I wasn't sleeping right. So then I was like, there must be a better way to do this. So then I started, you know, YouTubing. Um, I don't think Google was big back then. So maybe I was yahooing. I'm not sure. 
<laughs> but um, just like teaching myself and learning. And that's when I was going to school for business. And I was like, man, maybe this is kind of a cool thing. It started to interest me a little bit. So I added exercise science to my degree plan, became a double major. And then uh, I got a gym, a job in a gym after I got out. So a second job after I got out of the, uh, got after my done, my days done with the military, I went and worked at a gym to try to learn more and institute what I was learning in school. And it kind of just became a passion. And I started working with athletes in the area. And then I kind of figured out this is kind of what I want to do. So uh, got out of the military and went all in. Wow. That's really cool. So how do you, like, I don't, I don't, you and I've never met before, but uh, as I said, when I, when I watch uh, some of the videos that you post, you have a very uh, thoughtful and provocative uh, and interesting um, viewpoint on movement and stuff. Um, and not everybody has that. And it is something that's growing and changing as uh, dynamically in the industry. It's an, it's a way of thinking that I've always sort of ascribed to, but what drew you to, sort of thinking out of the box uh, versus sort of thinking in the box in some sense or around the way you approach things. I like to look at it as um, kind of how you, how you said it. Um, I am a gray area guy. Mm-hmm. And I think a big, a big problem with some coaches, especially younger ones is they kind of see some of the stuff I post and they're like, Oh yes. Like that's so cool. But they don't understand how much time went into the black and white before I did any of that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny that textbooks are black and white because that's where you got to start. Um, the number one book you should have is a young strength coach or professional is a netter or some sort of anatomy and physiology book to understand the best that you can. And I don't have it memorized, obviously, but understand anatomy and physiology the best as that you can, and then try to apply that to the sport world, which is very gray. And uh, when it comes to the difference of individuals, different clientele, different sports. And when I get asked kind of how you said, it's not, that's where I came up with this concept of exploring the corners of movement, because I don't want people to think it's outside the box. To me, outside the box can be perceived as negligent. When I think of knowing that oral health is important with whole body health, if I gave someone a root canal or a gum cleanse, that's outside the box. That's pretty negligent. That's outside of my understanding. But exploring the corners is just kind of getting to the corners of of what we know of out of in that black and white box and then pushing those boundaries a little bit further and a little bit further. And it kind of comes into play where the, the environment that I work in. So a lot of the people that I work with, especially the veterans and military individuals are very um, many and numerous injuries and multiple I have guys that are amputees, double amputees. I had a guy that was a triple amputee, um, multiple hip replacements, multiple shoulder replacements, concussions, TBI, spinal column injuries. Like you're talking big time injuries And there's nothing in a strength and conditioning literature to help me train these people with these injuries. And if there is something, it's one injury. It's, oh, if someone has one hip problem or this, then this is what you should do. But there's nothing for, okay, he has hip replacement, but he also has 
no function in his big toe and he has three bulging discs. There's nothing now. So now it's understanding the black and white concepts and then trying to get them move to move as freely and as strong as possible because that's what I think of movement as. It's poetry in motion. It's trying to make someone as fluid as possible in their movement, but at the same time make them strong and stable when they get into those movement positions. Mm. Yeah, I like that a lot. You mentioned um, you know, the, the, the veterans that you work with, and I was really curious about when I read the whole thing about the Continue Mission, Pro- Mission Program, and on your website there's this little saying, it says, Charlie Mike stands for the Continue Mission. It's a mindset that no matter how tough things get, you will not quit. You will not give up. The tougher, the better. And we wore it like a badge of honor. As American soldiers, our desire to win fed this attitude. It is ingrained into the genetic code of our military warriors. It is a lifestyle. What uh, I'm curious, before we get into what it is you do with those guys and, and the things you've learned from them, um, what is the, the weight, both positive and negative, of that um, mission statement in some sense? from what you've experienced and watched it's i mean we could i'm not even sure where to where to kind of start so i'll just kind of give it as um a lot of these guys we get to work with especially the guys that have that have been out and have had these huge traumatic injuries it's kind of giving themselves something back um because you know whether it's losing a limb whether it's a big injury a big fall um something was taken away from them and they you know, they, and that's very, not just as a man, but as a woman, it's, it, it, you know, it takes a lot away from you. And uh, if we can empower them that you may not be able to do what you used to be able to do, but you could be very close to it and you could get back to it this way. And it just kind of fuels that fire to put them back in the fight because that's one of the worst things we can do with the veterans, especially the ones that are have experienced these massive traumas is make them feel like they're alone and they already feel like they're alone as it is because you know they may look different they can't do what they used to do so it's just trying to give them back as much as we can something that they may feel was taken away what have you you learned about your own your own spirit and what has changed in your own spirit in having worked with people like that who really have had that kind of thing taken away from them um how, how has it changed your viewpoint on life to some degree or your viewpoint on your own life? It, I mean, it just shows how valuable and how thankful you should be, how valuable movement is. Um, when I look at movement, I, you know, not trying to get all, you know, heartfelt about it, but when people see movement, it's, it, they just take it for granted where if I have a guy that has no leg, now that movement is special. And to get him to do a squat or a deadlift and he has no arms or no legs, like that is, is, is special. And until you experience that, you, you don't really understand. Mm. And uh, so to me, it's just kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things that coaches want to debate about on social media and this versus that. And this is better than this or that form looks like crap or whatever. And I'm just like, you have no, you have no idea what this person may be going through and all we see is a video of someone doing a squat and then someone's like, Oh, well, this looks terrible or their back looks terrible or they're not going down all the way. Videos don't come with biographies. Hmm. So this person may have had 
you know, multiple knee surgeries, multiple hip surgeries. And that half squat is a huge deal to them. And then you promoting it and, or not promoting, but posting on their, your social media makes them feel that maybe you're proud of the movement that they did. And they, you should, you should, they should be proud about that. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that, I don't know that it, it's kind of, it's just opened my eyes to how delicate movement is and how thankful I should be for movement and how I should as a coach, especially when it comes to the internet is when I see something, always take a step back and always ask my one, one question first and foremost, when I see something, is this any of my business? <laughs> if the answer is no, then my next question is, is this something dangerous that I should comment on? Mm-hmm. No, go on about my day. Is this, it, it, it's, I, it's just kind of opened my eyes to what really matters. Mm. Um, you know, what, what's, what truly matters the most and it's fueled my fire for, for helping people. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's ultimately what the goal and what my passion is, is, is helping people. And I've just found that movement and strength and conditioning is a, a vessel of transportation to impact and help others. So that's, that's where I'm at in my life right now. That's beautiful. Um, any, um, words of wisdom around which, which can be kind of carried over to anybody who's struggling with stuff, but how, what have been some, some strategies you've used to get some of your clients, so to speak, past call it the bleakness or the darkness of where they might be so that they can get to that next level or get back to where they want to be. Well, it's addressing the body as a whole. There's a lot more going on than what's a cruise on the platforms and the weight room. Um, I mean, whether it's spiritual and that doesn't necessarily mean religious, but um, the spirituality of the body, um, that holistic approach, the mental, uh, their, their mental capability of where they're at. Um, and then the physical side, it's, it's all three. And then we can kind of get in more, but it's addressing the body as a, a full picture and not just how they look, but how they feel, um, what they, how they think, like, are they thinking more positive? Are they thinking, or do they feel better? Do they look better? It's, 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 it's all, it's looking at the body all encompassing. Um, that that's the goal. It's not just if, if your conversations with the athletes that you work with are just sets and reps, you're, you know, you're totally missing the mark. Hmm. Um, have a, a tremendous platform and honestly a platform of trust that when individuals come see you for the most part, they're automatically trusting what you say. You're perceived as an expert, unless you're trying, unless they're feeling you out, they're more than likely going to trust what you say. Um, so using that to help them out the best that they can Hmm. and, um, finding out who they are. Uh, a lot of the coaches, that I've worked with and talked to and have interned underneath me. It's, we are uneducated, um, unexperienced or maybe a little experienced cheap psychiatrists. Like people will tell you anything. Um, and that I mean that not saying that psych, obviously there's a lot that goes into psychologists and we don't give advice like that, but when people trust you and they're in that, that kind of, 
environment in a weight room, you'd be surprised what people open up and tell you. Uh, it's a very vulnerable uh, situation sometimes where people just kind of open up and you being ready to, to not only receive that, but actively receive it, not just passively receive that because, you know, people leave breadcrumbs of, you know, things that they have going on in their lives, especially kids. And if you don't pick up on those breadcrumbs and you're not paying attention, they're going to stop dropping them. And then you've lost that opportunity to, to cross that threshold. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you what you enjoy most about working with young people. Cause uh, obviously you've worked with a lot of more development athletes as well. What do you enjoy about that? It's, I know what it feels like to not have someone. I know what it feels like to not have uh, a mentor, um, someone that was there for me that, when I reach my hand up, they would grab me and pull me up. I know what that feels like. So when I work with young kids or older kids, or, you know, even my kids are in college or pros, it's me being, I'm still young, but a little bit older is being that person that, that they needed because I know what it feels like. So I'll say, be the coach that you needed when you were 16 or 18, whatever it is, because we all know what it feels like to be that age. to to be lonely, to have the pressure of the world on your shoulders. Okay, quick break here to tell you about reconditioning. Reconditioning is for treatment skills and protocols and training methods and exercises like an operating system on a smartphone is for applications. Fundamentally, reconditioning brings the worlds of therapy and performance preparation together in one systematic process that makes treatments and training systems more efficient and effective. Level 1 takes you through the fundamental assessment process and gives you a tactical approach to eliminating issues that stand in the way of your client's progress towards quality movement and a healthy and high-performing state. Level 2 goes deep on context, analyzing and understanding variable movement patterns, gaining clarity on key movement attributes, and being exceptionally precise about your interventions and strategies. It then links to the overall preparation program. It becomes deeply considerate of the context of that program and the environments of the preparation. Finally, our Reconditioning Mastery Mentorship is a completely virtual experience you can engage in from the comfort of your home. It allows you to benefit from our 50 years of professional practice in a high-quality community of practitioners. This eight-week program walks you through how to apply this powerful operating system in your environment and your circumstances, irons out all the question marks, and ensures you are ready to deliver the most effective reconditioning practice to your clients. Head over to reconditioninghq.com to see when our next courses are being held and when our next mastery mentorship is starting. Become a reconditioning specialist and join the reconditioning revolution. Okay, we're back. And it's... uh... I mean, you, we just know what it, we, we, we all know what that feels like. And as a, as a coach, especially working with youth athletics, it's, it's understanding, you know, the, the power and that the position that you're in, and it's more than just a lot more than just training. Most of these kids are not going to become professional athletes, but what they will become, most of them is, you know, parents, moms, dads, maybe uncles, aunts. Uh, maybe teachers, maybe even they become coaches. So what you do is, is a pretty big part of what they're going to become. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, you know, you can confidence travels across all platforms and um, you can make someone strong with a barbell in their hands. 
And that confidence can make them strong with a, with a paintbrush in their hand or a, a gavel or a schematic or a beaker. You know, that confidence can, can kind of go anywhere. So it's, I work a lot with, especially used to uh, women's volleyball, um, women's soccer a little bit, but a lot of women's volleyball. And one of the big things that we always did was, was chin-ups. We always were trying to do chin-ups. And I got asked all the time, like, why are you doing that? And, and it was, besides the fact that it's a great upper body movement, it's a young lady will, will not forget her first chin-up. And there's something special about that because, because either, either you, either you're with it or you're not, but, but young ladies, and I'm very, I'm very fortunate that I have a wife that's, that's a, that's a badass. She's all, she's absolutely awesome. She runs her own businesses and I've learned a lot from her and I have a young daughter that's a, a stud like, and, uh, I get to, I get to surround myself daily, whether it's my coaches, my friends with very powerful women and women are going to change the world and they're currently doing it. And if you can help a young lady be a little bit more confident in her skin, especially at that age of 16, 17, 18, where, you know, they're not really sure where they're at and where they're standing. But if you can make them confident with strength training and that being strong is cool and being strong is, is so much more than probably what they imagine, that's pretty powerful. So that's a, a big thing that, that I constantly push is, confidence, making someone strong, you know, empowering them with their body, giving them control of what maybe society is saying, what their body should look like or how they should feel or how they should act and being screw that, like be an animal, be, you know, be a meat eater, go, go for it. And, you know, enjoy life. Ask that boy out, ask that girl out, like go for it. And uh, I think we have a great opportunity to kind of capitalize on that. That's awesome. I'm going to use that moment to segue to a little piece I do. I discovered this book a few years ago called The Day You Were Born. It mixes astrology with numerology, and I sort of found my purpose in it. It was kind of neat. So each each um, birthday period fits with a sun sign, and you're a Leo 1, um, August 1st. So you're, it gives you your purpose statement and talks a little bit. It usually has a saying with it. So your purpose is to take your own path, Accepting responsibility as you seek to find your own unique voice to use the power and and competition of others to hone your strength. When you know what you want and you want it badly enough, you will find the ways to get it. Jim Rohn. The strength of the Leo one has been fortified by the strong personalities around them. They compete with the best and manage to shine. Coco Chanel revolutionized women's fashions. Her Leo need for freedom gave her the courage to discard corsets, shorten skirts, bob hair, and make comfort a part of elegance. Modern bathing suits, costume jewelry, and the little black dress were all her creations. Chanel was raised in an orphanage and worked her way up the ladder through a favorite Leo pastime, love affairs. It goes on a little bit, but that's a little piece of you, so... I don't know if it resonates with you, sir, but it uh, sounds like it does. <laughs> and I, actually, it, it really does. And uh, I'm a product of an, my environment. I get to, I get to be around um, amazing people every day, whether it's the clients we work with or, or even the, the coaches I work side to side with, the coaches that, that, that have come into my gym, Danny, Tim, Hannah, and uh, it's interned with me and I've got to see them grow up. And I'm big on it kind of said in their thing, 
about the people with you. And I'm a big believer in, in lateral heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, heroes don't have to be someone above you. They don't have to be this unreachable figure. I know some of my greatest heroes are people that I literally stand shoulder to shoulder with. Mm-hmm. Um, I look up people that I look, I look up to people that I look next to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those, those are, those are my people. Those have what have kind of encouraged me to be who I am. And they check me when I need to be checked, but you know, I'm a product of some amazing people. Where does the spirit within you of sharing what you know come from? Like, you know, some people in our industry struggle with the idea of sharing their trade secrets or their ideas. And I've always been a proponent of sharing as much as you can, but it's not always a commonality. I'm wondering where it resonates or resides in you. I, I, it's just sharing is my way of, of giving, of giving, I guess. And, and hoping, hoping to open people's minds. Um, I don't work in the collegiate setting. Obviously, I, I own a private facility. So I don't get to have this tremendous network of coaches and internships and stuff like this. So it's my way to give back to a profession that's kind of given me a, a purpose. So I like to share. I like to invoke thought. And um, I, I don't have an, an I guess, I mean, everyone has a little bit of an ego. I mean, that's obviously as a, as a person you should have, but professionally I don't. And I remember hearing a quote one time that said, um, if you're worried about sharing too much, you probably don't have much to share. (laughs) And, uh, I've kind of taken that, like I'm an open book. If someone has a question, I, if I know the answer and I can help, I'm, I'm going to answer it. If I, if we do something cool in the weight room, I'm going to share it because mm-hmm. I want others to experience that. I want to invoke thought. I want others to start thinking like that. And then hopefully I learn something from something they progressed, which happens all the time. I share movements and someone will tag me in something and be like, Hey, I did it, but I tried it with this. And I'm like, Holy crap, that's such a great idea. And that's what I think as a profession, we should be moving towards. We should be trying to, you know, build others up there. Uh, I saw something that said, um, you know, your flame doesn't get any lighter at light. Your flame does not become any smaller by lighting another flame. And that's a hundred percent the truth. You know, there's so many athletes, there's so much money out there, but we compete with imaginary people. Like we should be building people up. Hmm. And, uh, that's, that's kind of, that's how I look at it. Who's who or, or what has been a, a particularly strong influence for you in um, in your career and your move um, move towards the way your your style or your approach? Has there been somebody who was particularly influential in that or is it a, a conglomeration of a lot of different influences? I think it's a conglomeration of a bunch of different people. I'm very fortunate. Um, I I. I big fan of social media because it allows you to connect. I mean, it allowed us to connect. It allows people to connect that would never meet each other and probably will never meet each other. And I've been able to connect with and learn from some, some great coaches that I probably don't deserve at any time. And they've just offered up, you know, hours and hours of their time, you know, Ben Hilgert, George Carvajal, Mike Hill, Ryan Horn, Chase Campbell, guys that, that, sh- that, that are, that are big time guys that, that I don't deserve, I think their time and they just open up like a book. And, uh, to me, that's kind of led me on this path of me paying it forward, I guess, hmm. 
because if they did that to me, I should do the same. Hmm. That's beautiful. So you mentioned you have a little girl, like what did, how did fatherhood change you when you, 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 this little person from first came into your world? Oh, I mean, that completely changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> changes the rules of the game. That's for oh, sure. Oh yeah. I mean, you think you, have it, you think you have things figured out and I don't care how many parenting books you read. That shit doesn't matter. <laughs> but it, it, it just, it changes, it, it changes me. It changed me as a person, you know, mm-hmm. um, seeing someone else grow up and, um, my, especially my daughter, we had her when I was 19 and my wife was 18 and, you know, we weren't ready for it. And I, I still don't think we're really ready for it, but, uh, she's got to see me at my worst and, uh, she's got to see me at my best. She's got to see us when we're dead broke, trying to pay bills to, you know, to being able to, to travel and do things. And I think there's something special about that because, um, you know, she's get to understand that people think they know me and people think that, you know, they, they know who I am because they've kind of see me on social media and see things I talk about, but they have no clue who I am. And the only person that knows me better than my, my wife is, is my daughter. And she's got to see me candidly just deal with problems and, and how I deal with them. And I'm not the best, obviously, definitely, you know, I wish I could have handled a bunch of situations better, but she's got to see someone struggle and, and try to provide for her family. And I don't know that, that girl, she was, I'm, uh, I'm very thankful for her because she's propelled me to where I'm at. She gave me a reason to want to be more, a reason to, to do more, to be more. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm more thankful for her than she'll probably ever be thankful for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I wouldn't be probably where I'm at as a, not just a professional, but a person, if it wasn't for my daughter, because, uh, I don't know. It just, when you have a kid, it it changes how you look at things Mm -hmm. and then watching them grow, it, it just, it, it just changes a lot. Um, parenting's not for everyone, but, uh, it, it was, I'm blessed for that opportunity. And, uh, I'm just thankful. Like she keeps choosing to be with, she, she chooses for me to be her dad. Mm. And, uh, I, my wife kind of, I had a couple times where, especially, when I was, uh, opening up the place and working a lot and, uh, she helped me re reorganize my thoughts. And, um, you kind of get, I don't want to say full of yourself, but you kind of lose track of what's important. Mm. Um, she showed me, she sent me an image one time and it was a three things. It was a health, um, profession, and family. And she said, you're only one person. You can only do two of those. If you, if you really focus on two of those, one of those is always pushed on the back burner. And I kind of was whatever, you know, I'm doing my own thing. I'm trying to run a business. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But the more I thought about it, it was true. Um, we can spread ourselves so thin, but when we spread ourselves thin, you know, what are we spreading ourselves thin for? 
Mm-hmm. And I was spreading myself thin for things that were, that didn't matter. I was putting other people first. I was putting other kids first, other, other adults, kids. When my kid is, you know, sitting there waiting for me to get home and I'm not being the best I can. And, you know, I struggled with it for a while. I mean, there was times where I was getting off at work at, and I don't care what any performance coach says. I don't, I don't give a shit. I care about my family, but I was drinking coffee and energy drinks on my way home at six or seven at night because I had to have energy the second I walked in the door because that's what my kids expected of me. And I slept for crap and I sacrificed my health. I didn't work out for months um, because I had to make the business work and I had to be there for my family. And uh, I don't, I'm very thankful for my wife having those talks and I'll never forget one argument we had and it was kind of a big rock in my, it it crushed me is I joke about this and I call it, um, it's going to sound real, real stupid, but I called it, uh, like how heliocentrism, like everything circles the, the sun for whatever. And I started looking at my life and I, I, I wasn't consciously thinking this, but I called it, I was joking with my wife post thinking this and I called it Vernon centricism where I thought, I thought everything revolved around me. Like everyone was worried about what I was doing. Everyone thought about, Hey, what's Vernon think about this? What's this? Because as a coach, I started to kind of get a little traction and people cared what I was doing. And I started to get successful with my business. And my wife, we just laughed about it because I perceived as this world kind of not revolving around me, but I was kind of the center. And I started to look around and be like, I am far from the center. My family is, my wife has her own things. Now my daughter's getting to an age where she has things. My son is starting to develop things and their circle is spinning around them in orbit. And I have my own orbit. And if I don't get out of my orbit and if thoughtfully get into theirs, then they're just going to float off in the solar system without me. Mm. And I had to get away from myself and put them first to understand that. And I had an argument with my wife one time going back and I was saying something or whatever, and I'll never forget it. She looked at me and said, it was a pretty heated one. Me and my wife, we, we, sh- we actually share the same birthday. Really? So, so we're pretty, we're, you know, we're, I, I like to say we're as the same of an individual. I like to think it's like escape from which mountain. And we were, uh, we were put on this planet, you know, in a, in a pair, but not in a pair as like brother or sister, obviously. <laughs> but uh, she looked at me dead in my eyes and she said, we don't need you. And I was like, blah, blah, you know, blah, blah, don't say that crap, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, we don't need you. Think about it. The kids can do their own thing. I make enough money by myself. I can take the kids to school. The kids can, the kids can get rides to practices. We don't need you. And I was like, it was the first time since I was kind of a kid that I felt that feeling of just, she just knocked me down to the bottom of the totem pole. And I needed that because they didn't need me. Mm. And the more I thought about that, that concept of need versus want, and your whole life you're taught that, that needs are more important than wants. 
And I'm not sure what age that switches, but it happens. And we should be chasing wants versus needs because my kids need to, they don't need to be around me. Um, or, or let me get, let me take that back. They need me as a provider. They need me as a parent. But when they turn 18, or really before that, because then they're starting to separate their paths, like my daughter's 13 now, she really doesn't need me. So does she choose to want me? Does she want to be around me? Does she want to share things with me? Does she want to tell me about a boy that she likes? Because Mm -hmm. she doesn't need to do any of that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I need to chase the wants. Like, I want people to be around me. I want my kids when they go to college to come back on, on Christmas break and summer break because they don't need to. And unless I start acting to give them a reason to want me, they're not going to. Hmm. That's profound. I mean, that's, that's not dissimilar to what you talked about earlier with your athletes and your clients at the end of the day, they may need you for a service, but the ultimate thing is building the relationship. So they want to be with you and to be served by you and to serve you, so to speak. Very profound, sir. Well, I will, uh, that brings me to uh, sort of a, a last question, which is, What's kind of your personal mission at this point? I mean, where where are you headed in your life? What do you want to sort of leave a mark in for yourself? Um, I just want to be, first and foremost, the best dad that I can be to my kids. Um, they don't need the number one dad in the world. They just want a dad that can play with them and be be there for them. So my constant mission is to, to be that person, to be there for them, no matter what, even, even when it's bad and something bad happens or whatnot to be there for them, um, to be the husband, my wife deserves and, um, to help and to help people, um, whatever facet that lies, whatever opportunity that is, um, to help, to help people. I truly believe without getting, you know, philosophic or whatever, that that's what I was put on this planet to be is to, to help individuals, to impact them and to guide them to a better path. So, uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at in life. Obviously I want to be successful and, you know, I want to be able to provide financially for my family, but be there for them emotionally, spiritually, and physically, and then, uh, be able to be that person for others that need it. Very cool. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you, Vernon, and hopefully our paths will cross in real life at some point. Um, but uh, thank you for taking the time with me for an hour to your day to to talk about uh, the things you've learned on this as you've spent time on this planet. I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. You too, sir. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.